Now, these are my notes, so I hope I did it right and, 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 and was listening to them right. The first one was signal failed, you know. Don't let it fail. And the location matters. Location matters where you, where you are. And it's, it's important to get away and to spend time with God and to shut that door and be in a private place. And another thing is motive matters. What's your real motive for being there? couple things he said in that message that really struck me is, if you want a relationship with God, you need to spend some time with Him. How much time do we take getting away and spending with our Lord? That's one of the things that I've found over the years that is more and more important is that we just take that time. Prayer is not about what we want or desire. It's about connecting with the Father. Oh, there's nothing greater than connecting with our, our Heavenly Father. Last week, maximize your minutes. Maximize your minutes. As you see, the first priority is our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Worshiping our Father. Isn't that great? And it's so good to step back and see that God is the mighty one. The next thing we saw here was the second priority is to surrender to God's will. And the third one, which is kind of a, uh, brings that into it, is the third priority is to declare your dependence upon Him. So many times it is so difficult for us to surrender ourselves and put ourselves in complete dependence upon God. But that's where life becomes exciting. That's where life, we can bring things together that don't make sense. That's why this week what we want to do is look at never hang up. Never hang up. In other words, continuously be talking to the Lord. And when there's something on our hearts, let's continue to press on. The passage, if you want to open up your Bibles, is in Luke chapter 11. The pastor Chad gave me to look at and to study. And I've enjoyed this passage to, to, to study and to meditate upon it. And in Luke chapter 11, we see the, we're going to see some great things of how we need to be persistent in our prayer. One of the things, though, as we think about it, and I call it sometimes, uh, look at it, is, is we have sometimes slogan theology. You ever heard of seeing slogan theology? You ever heard of the, this quick phrase, if I say God is good, you say all the time. And I say all the time, you say God is good. You know, so let us really think about that slogan and ask this question, is God good all the time? Ah, yes it is. As a matter of fact, not too long ago I started a sermon on that. I said, I had the church repeat that back to me, and then I asked, it came out and it says, why, is church, why are church people fighting all the time then? It made us step back and think, is God good all the time? I will say this, yes, God is good all the time all the time. Here's another little phrase that is kind of interesting. God is God and I am not. We picked that phrase up in the last church I was at and part of the reason as I was an interim pastor there, part of the reason we picked that phrase up is because we had a young deacon, a 43-year-old man, and it scares me when I say a 43-year-old man is young. But anyway, he, he was. He was a young man, he had a wife, and he had five children. 
and he was diagnosed with cancer and was fighting it for five years. The church was desperately praying that God would heal him. After all of his chemo, uh, chemotherapy and everything, they were not supposed to be able to have children, and they had one more child. And when he died, they had five children, and the youngest was only about a year old. God is God, and I am not kind of hard to understand those things and watch the church as we wrestled through that and, and saw this time that how the people prayed that God would heal them, but he didn't. Well, let me say something to you about that man that, was, that changed my life. One day I went to the hospital with him. He had, went to see him at the hospital and he's, he was there. I said, Joel, how are you doing? He says, oh, I have my ups and downs. I says, Joel, you're expected to do that. That's okay. You can have your ups and downs, and you can be upset. He says, yeah, sometimes I get upset at God and, and, and start going, why? And all of a sudden, I sense the Lord's presence coming, and he says to me, he says, are you my child? And Joel responded, yes, I am your child. And then he sensed God saying to him, then can I not do to your body what I wish? Wow. You see, Joel was in total surrender to God and saying, I am yours, Lord, and you can do to me what you desire. Two years ago, it was just over two years ago that Joel passed away. It was one of the most incredible funerals I've ever been involved in and been a part of. But the issue is never hang up. Prayer changes things, does it? Oswald Chambers says, it is not so true, excuse me, it is not so true that prayer changes things as that prayer changes me, then I change things. Kind of an interesting way to put at it because a lot of times as we go to the Father and as we, we come to Him, it's us that are changing He's changing my perspective. He's changing my attitude about things, and it helps me and strengthens me to go do what I ought to do. You see, he also says another quote that I found in Oswald Chambers was this, is, your father knows what things you have, excuse me, your father knows what things you have of need before you ask. Remember we talked about that. Your father knows what you need before you ask. And he goes on, and he says, very evidently that our ideas about prayer and Jesus Christ are not the same. Prayer to him, Christ, is not a means of getting things from God, but in order that we may get to know God better. Look at Luke chapter 11 and see what Jesus is teaching us. He continues on, and we see in Matthew, we saw the, the, the text of the Father, the uh, um, Lord's Prayer, and now we're going to continue on. In Luke, right after the Lord's Prayer, there's this little parable that comes along. Let me read it for us. We're going to read just the first couple of verses. He says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then one, then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. 
The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the friend's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, let's understand this parable in this context that we are at. Because in that culture, one of the key factors in the historical background is hospitality. And so as the friend was coming and he came in on a journey, it is the right thing and the honorable thing to do to make sure that this friend has food to eat. That day, the friend, as he was coming, the, the one that was the friend coming to had no food. So in one way, it was a dishonor to the community and to him to not serve proper hospitality by giving him a fresh loaf of bread. The village was small enough, so in that context, he would also know who has the food. So then he went walking and knocking on the door, and this is late at night as we see, is when knocking on the door of another friend because he needed food to give to the one on the journey. He's on a journey. So the, the whole thing is built on this concept that there is food need. There's a need of bringing hospitality and bringing honor to the community and to the man to give him this food. Now we have this story that Jesus brings to that and says, what if you don't have food? And this man goes to his neighbor and knocks. Now, at the end of verse 8 is kind of the key of this whole passage as we bring it together here. And so, what we want to look at here, as we see at verse 8, it says, I tell you, though he will not get, get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness. The key word there is boldness. Now, depending on your translation and what you're reading, you're going to find different words there. Because of that word coming out of there in the Greek context of that, it is the only place in the entire New Testament that that word is used. In other words, there's something interesting about this term. And that term is coming meaning impudence, boldness, occurs in the New Testament only this time. And as in ancient literature, the term means lack of sensitivity to what is proper. Now, I like that. Because when it comes to being proper, sometimes it's not me. But you see, so the whole term here is coming with that negative connotation as a lack of sensitivity as being proper. Now, it's not proper to go and knock on your neighbor's door at midnight, even in our culture, is it? No, it's not. As a matter of fact, it's not even proper, really, to call after 10 o'clock. Most of the time. However, unless you know some of the people that are night owls. And then you can call until midnight. But most families are in bed. So this whole thing is stepping back. And it says, it describes being without... Without respect or modesty, the impudence then would indicate that the friend is shamelessly and boldly awakening. 
Okay? Another translation will put that is shamelessly. He is not being, he, he walks to that door and he's not ashamed to go and knock on that friend's door and says, I need food. He's boldly going to this and he's persistently knocking at his friend's door because he needs this. Why? In respect and in honor for, for not only him, but for his community. Now, as we see that, we see some things that come. And so we see that this man here, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So we see that persistency in prayer is very, very important. Are you persistent? Are you coming before the throne of grace? You see, we can boldly come before God and persistently come. Now, there's something here that I, I just really saw here, and the first thing was this. Persistence in prayer brings honor to God and respect to his people. It brings honor to God and respect to his people. Why? How does it bring honor to God? Because we are becoming dependent upon our Father. Most of the time that we head to prayer is when we're in a desperate situation. Or when we're looking for what God wants us to do. You see, and as we move forward and can press on, we continue to seek the Father and say, what is it, Lord, that you want? What is it, the calling that God has given to you? There's something kind of interesting here. It brings honor to God. God always does what he says he will do. Always. And, and, and I want to take a little, little tour here just because I want us to be prepared for this. Because when God shows us something and he wants us to do something, he wants us to be obedient to him, a lot of times, this is what happens, when God shows you where he wants you to go, where God shows you as he shows the church where he wants it to go, to strengthen, to go love and live, all of a sudden what God will do, he says, this is who you are, this is what I want, and then he shuts out the lights. Isn't that interesting? Because when God calls you, listen, look at, listen to these biblical examples. Examples. God told Noah to build an ark. Why? Because it's going to flood. The, the, it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. What happened? In my book, God shut out the lights. For 120 years, Noah built this ark, and Noah preached the gospel with no converts and was ridiculed by everybody for 120 years. How long would we do that? Ten minutes? But did God come through? Did God say, do what he said he would do? He did. A flood came. Also, here's another little illustration. God told Abraham that he would make a great nation out of him. Now, this is a great illustration because there's two, two places here that God brings him to the brink of, do you really trust me? And the fact is, is that they, they did, had no children. They were beyond the age of bearing children. You see, in one way, Abraham tried to figure it out, and that's where we have Ishmael. In the other way, through what God promised was through Isaac. Isaac. God shut out the lights. 
God told Moses that he would deliver his people. Do you realize before, after God told Moses that, that Moses himself went to the desert for 40 years? You see, when it comes down to it, the question is, do we trust God? The next thing it does is this. It brings respect to his people. It brings respect to his people. Why? Because it displays his dependence. It displays our dependence upon God. How dependent are we? How dependent are we trusting God? You see, because his people shamelessly trust and they depend upon him. Look at the next section of verses here because this, is, this really gets to be interesting with us. Verses 9 and following, it says this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Now, the tense of this whole thing is very key because what it says, and it might, this might not mean a lot to everybody here, but it helps us understand it and in, the, in the interpretation of it, it's a present imperative active continuous voice. In other words, the way you can put in there and put a little note in your Bible, it says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. In other words, it's something you're never supposed to stop doing continuously come before the Father, continuously get before Him and say, Lord, show me, what is it? Lord, this is what I feel we need. You see, and that gives respect to God's people because God wants to honor and, and, and he, he brings to, to, to completion what is true. The catch here is this, is that we need to be seeking the Father. A little comment on this is in the, in the context of the parable, these verses mean that the knocker receives because of boldness or because of the honor of God, his inseparable connection with the honor of his servant, the knocker. You see, God has told us that we are the light of this world, and that's why he continues to work and walk through us. Are you knocking? What is it that, that you're struggling with? You know, many times in our prayer life, when, we, when do we go? It's when we're in desperate situations. Over the years, I'm learning to continuously be praying, continuously be seeking the Father. And God continuously seems to be putting me sometimes into situations that there's no place to go but to trust and it gets easier and easier even though things may be difficult because why because God is God and I am not have you lost your jobs is your marriage in difficult situation are you struggling with your children God says keep knocking Keep knocking. Get in that room. Sit alone and say, God, where are you? It was not long ago that I was in a situation that I didn't know what to do. 
It was a very difficult situation. And I remember coming before the Lord and just, just calling out to him and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. And, and a, every so often, it's one of these times where the Lord, it's, I've never heard an audible voice, but a sensing of the Spirit and the directing of the Spirit of God within me. The Lord said this, you have done what I've called you to do, now let me work. In other words, get out of the way. It sure didn't turn out the way I anticipated. But God is still God, and he's still working. You see, the next part of this passage is so good. It's so reassuring, okay? Because it goes on, and it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Now, I want to just try something here really quick, okay? I need a volunteer, one of these teenagers here. You need to be between the ages of 15 and 13. Anybody here? No? You all chicken? I'll guarantee you this. You'll embarrass your parents before you get embarrassed. Come on up. Come here. I just got a quick question for you. This is a brave young soul. This guy doesn't know me for nothing. Come, Come here. Okay. How old are you? 14. 14. Oh. Isn't that great age? No. Not really. <laughs> I, I got a question for you, though. All right? You got friends? Yeah. Whew, that's good. Okay. I'll get, why don't you hold that right there real close? Otherwise, I'll forget and I'm talking okay. out here, okay? I, I want to ask you a question. If, let's say you have your friends and uh, you, you, you want to go do something with them, but you have no way to get there. Why don't you go ask your dad for the car? What would he say? No. <laughs> but they're good friends, right? Mm-hmm. You got good friends? Yeah. You're going to go do good things? Yeah? Mm-hmm. And your dad's not going to give you the car? Mm-hmm. Aren't you trustworthy? Yeah. Well, why isn't he going to give you the car then? Because he's seen me on Grand Theft Auto and he doesn't <laughs> trust me. That's good. I think I've seen you in the post office, too. <laughs> now, I don't believe that's true a bit. But why would his father not give him the car? Think about it. Because he knows it's not best for him at this age, he would end up in jail. Okay? He doesn't know how to drive. He's not prepared to handle those things. In two more years, he will be asking and there will be this issue going on. But his father knows, right? And his mother knows, right? Yeah, okay. And the fact is is that he knows what's best for him. So right now, the car is not going to be given to him. You see, that's what God is saying here. Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, will give him a snake? I mean, look, I don't like snakes, and I would not give my son a snake if he asked for a fish. 
You see, and look at that. Even in this, if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? You see, a scorpion can curl up and it'll look like certain types, some types of eggs. Now, which father would give his son a scorpion? No one. And, and, he, and Jesus points to them and says this, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven... Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now, now think about this because this is in one, this is pre-Pentecost here, folks. This is pre-Pentecost, and, and, and they're, they're looking for the Holy Spirit, the God to complete what he has done. And he's saying, if God, if you're gonna ask God for things, if you're gonna ask God for direction, he is going to give you the right answer. I got a note on the top of my Bible from the study. And it says this, God's answers are always good. God's answers to our prayers are always good. Why? Because the majority of the time, when my time in my prayer life, when God answers and, and when how he answers is the right way. Chad even said, he said, past couple weeks he says thank God for all my answers of no I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for that and there's a few things that God said yes to that I wish he would have said no to I want to share a couple stories with you one story particularly that that I believe that in these prayers, God will, be so, will, will guide you and he will answer them. Back a few years, I was studying a text, Psalms 51. It says, the Lord does not delight in sacrifices or burnt offerings, but in a broken and contrite heart. I studied that text out. I saw what the words meant and, 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 and just saw it right there. And, I'm, and I went out on a walk. And I'll never forget this day. I said, Lord, I understand intellectually what this text means, but I don't know if I can live it. I want to live it. God didn't say, okay, right then. Wait a little longer. And all of a sudden, God started to, to reveal things in my life, take things back. And ever since then, I believe God has been on a mission in my life because I've allowed him to keep breaking me. Am I fully broken? No. It's a daily process. But God has taken me through things that I never want to go through again. But I'm glad where I'm at. I've become more dependent upon the Father. I've, I've built a deeper relationship with my father. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know, I know that God is God and I am not. And wherever God takes us, however God directs us, the situation, an accident could happen. You go to work tomorrow and you could lose a job. And we go, what are we going to do? I don't know. But I do know I will trust in the Father. 
And that's where if we go back to the Lord's Prayer, what are we to ask for? We're to worship Him. Hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take a look at a couple illustrations here. Persistence brings answered prayers. Persistence brings in prayer brings God's goodness. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 real quick here. Matthew chapter 26. An incredible place, Garden of Gethsemane, Christ before His crucifixion. Coming before the Father, then Jesus said, in verse 36, then Jesus went, on, went with His disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and they said to, him, said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began, and he began to, to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell uh, with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, look, look at what's happening here. This is Jesus the night before he was, cru- the night before he was crucified. The Son of God coming to the Father. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked, he asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my Father... If it, is not poss- if, if, it is, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. You see, in the short sight of things, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. In the long sight of things, if Jesus didn't go to the cross, crucified, died, and rise again, there would be no Christian faith. See, sometimes we need bifocal vision and what's close. We need to understand and we might not understand it, but look out a long ways away and see the big picture in what God is doing. The other two passages, I'm just going to say, Romans 8, 28 to 29 says, all things work together for good for those who believe. I don't know the full future and what's going to take place in our lives. But I do know that in God's ultimate plan, if I'm walking with Him, all things are going to come together. The last passage is James chapter, James chapter 1. It says, my brothers, count all joy. I, I don't get this in, and sometimes, but I understand it. My brothers, count all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Now, it probably goes nothing like what you just read on the screen, because I memorized it in the King James a long time ago. But that keeps coming. Why? Because when we run into trials, when we run into difficulties, it's our time to come to the Father. Why? Because He's going to teach us endurance. He's going to teach us patience. And this is why, my friends, we need to keep knocking at the door of our holy God. Keep knocking 
Keep asking and keep seeking. God's answers are always good. Are they easy? No. They can be difficult. In the past four years, one, I told you about Joel. I've watched his wife walk through that time. Just before that, two years before that, Karen and I had another friend that her husband was killed in an, auto, in an accident on his pedal bike. On his bicycle, he ran into another truck and was killed instantly. I watched her walk through this. What I saw was people that continuously sought God, knocked at the door, and I saw the grace of God come and flood them. and give them power, give them ability to walk through it. When we lose our jobs, when the finances don't look like they're coming together, we come to the Lord. We continuously knock at the door. I want to challenge you to deepen your prayer life. Go home and knock at the door. You see, I believe this. That prayer deepens our relationship with God and prayer deepens our dependence upon Him. How much do you trust Him? Let's pray and ask the worship team to come forward. Father, we come before you today. Some things are difficult for us. But Lord, it's a privilege to come to your throne where we can see grace and mercy in our times of need. Father, because of the blood of Christ, we can approach you and continuously seek you. Ask and knock at your door. Thank you for not, for just wanting to be with us, Lord and not being upset at sometimes how it, long it takes us to get it. But thank you for continuously loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.